Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. But I want you this morning, if you would, to turn in your Bibles with me uh, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, it's a New Testament book. And uh, easiest way to find it if you've got a paper Bible is, uh, is just go to the table of contents, look for 1 Peter, scroll, scroll to that page, and then go to the first, uh, or excuse me, the second chapter of 1 Peter. If you've got the digital format Bible, you're in luck. Just point and click, point and click, point and click. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. And uh, this is one of the things I realized when we were up at camp, man, the speakers that were there uh, had some great speakers up there. And the common theme uh, really that I noticed through camp and, and really with, with young people and youth, it seems to be a common, common theme anyway, is finding our place. Uh, one of the young ladies that shared, that was my daughter, uh, the youngest one, and, and she was just sharing, you know, I, I didn't feel like I had a place or where I fit in, but I felt like I found that when I was at camp. And uh, that, I was a youth pastor for some 12 years, and that kind of seems to be a common theme throughout youth is finding our identity. Who are we? Finding our purpose. Does God have something for me? Um, but here's what I've come to realize is you ever heard this statement, the only difference between boys and men is the, the price of their toys, Right? <laughs> You know, it's a, it was one thing to have a little, little tiny, you know, play motorcycle. It's another thing, Pastor Brandon, to go out and buy a motorcycle, right? And uh, your toys just get more expensive. But here's the thing I've realized. Uh, the difference between uh, young people and adults really isn't that much. That if we're honest with ourselves, no matter what age we find ourselves, whether we're in our latter years or whether we're, you know, somewhere in the middle or younger, that that theme reigns throughout all generations. Finding our place, our purpose, our identity. Uh, who am I? And, um, and so as I was at, at camp uh, this last week with these radical young people, noticing that God just began to speak to me because honestly, I was responding to the messages that were being preached. You know, I was responding to altar calls. Yes, I feel that way. Yes, I want to know that God has something for me. And that's the reality of it, that no matter how old we are, we will go through cycles in our life wondering, what's my purpose? What's my calling? What's my destiny? That's why they have a thing called a midlife crisis. Come on, somebody. Right? When you got a dude in his 50s with his, you know, shirt unbuttoned and hair coming out and a gold necklace driving a convertible. Come on, somebody. Now, if I just described you, forgive me, all right? But uh, we go through these cycles because we want to find purpose. We want to find where we fit in. And let's be honest, in our culture, as a believer and as a Christian, sometimes that is even amplified, right? Uh, where can I share my experience? Where can I share my faith? Well, I want to read to you out of 1 Peter, one of my favorite verses and one of my go-tos when I was in youth ministry, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. And let me just set, set the scene for you for a moment if I can. And what's taking place here is there are believers now, Christians if you will, and they're scattered all, all, all over the place. And they're actually being scattered because some of them are scared to live their faith. Anybody ever been scared to speak out for Jesus before? Okay, they're, they're actually scared to live. So now they're, they're dispersed all over. And this specific uh, book that we come to know as First Peter is actually written to some believers in Asia Minor. Some of these believers are brand new believers. They've just come into the faith. Some of them have been secretly living their faith for some time now. And so you have baby Christians and you have, and you have people that have been Christians for a while. Uh, but it's also written to people of all economic statuses, people that were able to get educations, people that weren't able to get educations, which kind of lends to the tone of the way it was written. And so this, this, this passage now, this 
this book is being written to these believers, new and, and old alike, uh, young people, old people, as well as people from different economic backgrounds, Jewish believers, Gentile believers. It's kind of spread all about. And uh, it's being written to them because Peter wants to encourage them that in the face of opposition, that in the face of, of kind of, uh, you know, dealing with some hard times and some struggles, how Christians ought to live, all right? And just in case you didn't know the Bible, yeah, it's, it's written to, to those that have said yes to Jesus. That's why they can understand it, right? And this, this passage here, 1 Peter 2, is written to believers that are living under some oppression. They're living under some difficult times, and it encourages them to live according to the life of Jesus. And so Jesus is throughout the whole entire book pointing to Jesus. In this particular two verses now, Peter begins to call them out and begins to tell them who they are. Okay? Now, now remember, they don't feel like they're cream of the crop. They don't feel on top. Matter of fact, they, they kind of feel like the lowest. They feel like uh, they're minorities in society. Okay, But listen to what 1 Peter 2.9 says to them. And it says this. I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And it says this. says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Amen. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let me read verse 9 again. But you are, say I am. I want everybody, come on, be like we're at youth camp right now. Say I am. Yeah. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for his possession, and here's why. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's what these young people were doing here to this morning as they got up here. They experienced something at camp this last week, and God touched them in a specific way. And what did they do? They got up here, and they fulfilled it by proclaiming the one who brought them out. Amen? Amen. You are, I am, we are a chosen people. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that you would help me unpack something that was written to believers thousands of years ago. God, many of them under oppression, many of them facing difficult situations in their own right, and this word came to them to encourage them and remind them who they were. Lord, I pray today, because it might look different, but some of us walked in this morning feeling some oppression, feeling some, some stuff that we're walking under. And I pray that today would be a reminder of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are chosen by you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I love this, I love this word, this word chosen. Chosen. There's a lot that we could unpack there. You're a chosen generation, a, a royal priesthood, uh, you know, God's own people, so that you can proclaim Him. But I just want to focus just for a moment, um, if we can, on this thought of being chosen. Uh, literally, as, as Peter is writing this to the believers, he's reminding them of who they are. They're chosen, they're chosen, they're chosen. Anybody know what it means to be chosen? Anybody ever know to be? Now, now there's lots of, of, of ways we could look at this, but one of the greatest ways I see the choosing, the, the picking out principle, uh, how you choose something, is when you go to the supermarket. When you go to the supermarket. And not just anywhere in the supermarket, but when you go to the produce section of the supermarket. Are you with me? 
Anybody ever go to the produce you know, part department of the supermarket? Now, I, I try to avoid it because it's a little weird, to be honest with you. Because there's all of this, 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 you know, stuff. Like you go everywhere else in the in the store, and it's got preservatives, it's got additives, it's in a container, it's in a box. Are you with me? You go to the produce section, and it's like everything's just naked, laying out. Come on, somebody. All right. You got the fruit, you got the veggies, you got all this stuff, and you get the. I'll never forget the first time I went with my mom, and then later on when I got married. Now I've been married for 19 years next month, and. And uh, when I got married, and then she would, she would say, hey, you want to go to the, the store? And I'm like, okay, but I don't want to go to the produce section. Why? Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't know how to choose good fruit. Come on, somebody. Right? I didn't know that the, I didn't know that the guacamoles, excuse me, the avocados, right? That they had to be soft, right? You know, and you go in, and what do you do with the avocados? If you want good guacamole, anybody love guacamole? Come on, it is God's food. Come on, chips and guacamole, it's my staple. And uh, there's nothing more depressing than not finding ripe avocados when I'm in the mood for guacamole. But when you go, when you go in there, you know, the, the, the avocado's got to be a little bit soft to the touch. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Right? And so what do you do? You go up and you squeeze the avocado to make sure. Right? And it's, it's kind of weird because I don't know if I want the one that somebody else squeezed. Are you with me? Right? You know, and so then you go and you pick up the apples and you kind of feel for any bruises, right? And you don't really necessarily need to feel the bananas, right? If there's no brown on them, come on, it's going to be a good banana, right? But you, you go through and there's this choosing process. Now, one of, the, one of the weirdest ones is the watermelon. You know, because the water, everybody has their different way of choosing a watermelon, right? I see people standing there and they're shaking the watermelon. And they, anybody ever see, are you with me this morning? Okay, they have it by their ear and they're shaking it. And I'm like, what are you, is it talking to you? What's going on? Is it going to tell you? Some people are like, no, if it has like a, this, this weird patch on it, it means the bees got to it. It means it's really sweet. That is totally a myth, all right? And uh, some people, some people they, they like to, to knock on the watermelon, right? And they'll knock it on all sides. How many knockers do we have out there? How many knockers out there? How many, how many bee sting people do we have out there? Any bees? Okay, all right. And then, and then you know, yeah, I don't know, bees, whatever they do. And, and then some people, they don't knock and they don't, they don't listen and they don't, they don't look for They spank the watermelon. Are you? with me? I've been walking through the produce, and like they, they, they just, they're just spanking the watermelon. I'm like, what are you doing? That is odd. What's happening right now? I like, got to find out if it's a good watermelon, you know? And like, if it sounds hollow when you spank it, it's a good watermelon, right? And so it's honestly just a freaky experience. You got to go to, you know, like a counselor when you're done. Are you with me? It's a, you're walking through, and, and, and everybody's squeezing and spanking fruit and vegetables, and why are they doing that? Come on, I was just at youth camp. Stay with me, people. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Because based on the choice will determine the meal that you have later on, right? And so the choosing part is so crucial, and people take time with it, because if you choose the right one, man, it's going to be a really good meal that night. Here in 1 Peter 2.9, aren't you glad that God didn't spank you? Come on, somebody. Although there is some similarities, when you come out of the womb, what's the first thing the doctor does? You know? All right, see if the baby's ready or not. Here in 1 Peter 2.9, the word that, that Peter uses to describe the believers is you are chosen. You're chosen. Which immediately then, according to the way we know how to choose then, begins to say, hey, wait a second, there must be a purpose for me. There must be something significant for me. 
There must be something I'm supposed to do. Here's what the word chosen, here's what the word chosen means. Uh, the Greek word here is eklektos, eklektos. It's where we get our word eclectic, eklektos. And it means this, it means picked out, chosen, or chosen by God uh, to obtain salvation through Christ, amen. Aren't you glad he chose you? Come on, I wanna go back and preach to the young people because they were radical up there, amen. Is anybody glad that God chose them? Anybody glad that they've experienced salvation? Amen. All right. Here's the other, other part of the, the meaning of the word. It means chosen or picked out from a larger group for special purpose and privileges. This is what, this is what Peter writes to them as they're living. Now, now remember that they don't feel like they're privileged. They don't feel like they have a voice. They don't feel, has anybody ever felt that way before? So Peter writes to remind them, hey, in the middle of not feeling it, because we don't live by feelings, we don't walk according to what we see, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? And so here they are, and they feel a certain way. They feel like outcasts. They feel like minorities. They don't feel like they have a voice. And Peter writes to remind them, you are chosen. You are picked out from amongst a larger group of people for a special purpose and privilege. Amen. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited because the reason it's on the pages of the Bible is so that 2,000 years later we can read it and remind ourselves when we don't feel like we're at top of our game to remind ourselves that, wait a second, this is what God says about me. He says I'm chosen. He says I'm picked out from amongst a larger group of people for a special purpose and privilege. Come on. Come on. Are you with me? Man, I love that when Sierra was up here dancing. I can't dance. I can do the robot. You know, it's about... But I loved it when all of a sudden that, that scene where she goes over and touches the dancers, boom, and they come to life. And that is so awesome. This is what, what God has done for us. We were dead. We had no life. We had no purpose. But under him and under his kingship and his authority, we have purpose. We're the head and not the tail. Amen? And so Peter writes, hey, believers. Hey, this, now listen. They were living in a very pagan culture. They were living in a culture that did not, not live a godly lifestyle, okay? Not much different than probably when you look around your environment, okay? But sometimes we just need to get reminded, wait a second, though. God has chosen me. God has picked me. Who has God chosen? Anyone who's called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He's chosen me, and he's given me purpose. Now, now going to work has more purpose. Amen? Let me just give this to you real quick. What does this thought of being chosen do for me? Knowing I'm chosen. Number one, number one, knowing I'm chosen, number one, gives me security. Gives me security. I don't know about you, but knowing that the God of the universe, come on, young people, you with me? Knowing the God of the universe chose me gives me security. Gives me quite a bit of insurance knowing that it wasn't me seeking and searching and choosing him, but no, he sought out and chose me for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son to what? Go and seek and save the lost. You and I, we were lost, but because of the work of Jesus and what he did on the cross, man, he came and he sought us out and he knocked on the door of our heart. He said, son, daughter, let me in. All you have to do is say yes. Knowing that he came and found me, man, gives me so much security. Gives me so much, man, significance. And 
think about it this way, man. It's just, it's, you know, when we talk about, how many of you guys ever heard this, you know, maybe in church or somewhere else maybe, but, but as believers, we walk differently, okay? Too often times we compare that to uh, we walk differently. There, well, I don't do those things anymore. I'm a Christian. I don't smoke, chew, or hang out with girls who do, right? Well, actually, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, right? And so there, I just do different things. You know what? There's a whole lot of people that aren't Christians that don't do those things either. Okay? What sets me apart is now Christ, the hope of glory, lives inside of me. It's not about performance, but here's what I mean by you walk different. I walk different because I have confidence knowing that he chose me. So I can walk boldly. Not, not, not walking perfectly. Walking boldly. He chose me. Let me put it to you this way. How many guys can reach way back in your memory bank to when you had recess in school? The greatest gift ever given to elementary and middle school kids, recess, right? I mean, we should bring that back to the job place. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Just, you know, right in the middle of the day. We're going to take an hour. We're going to play kickball. Yeah! Matter of fact, if you're on the ministry team, do not miss the 13th of August because we are going to have an epic game of kickball at our, our ministry team barbecue picnic. It's going to be epic, only if my team wins. But the, 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 the funniest thing, just a side note, is watching somebody strike out in kickball. Just saying. All right. Better be practicing. But we used to go out for recess. And recess was both the biggest joy, but also sometimes the biggest terror. Because here's what happens at recess. Guys, what are we going to do today? We're going to play kickball. Awesome. Everybody line up on the line. All the kids line up on the line. And then you pick like, you know, two captains. Usually they kind of pick themselves. You know? You know, get up there like, okay, me and Jimmy, we're captains, right? And what happens? The choosing process begins. Yeah, you see all I know, we, we probably need a counselor right now, right, just to help you out a little bit. Like, yeah, I remember those days, right? But it's such, it's such a brutal process when you're that young. Because the captain, I'll take Jimmy, and Jimmy comes, I'll take Timmy. I don't know why they're all MMYs, but I'll take Susan, and I'll take Victoria. And all, all of a sudden, but here's what happens. Everybody, when they're standing on the line, at first is excited. We're going to play kickball. But as the choosing process goes on, you see kids like this. And then if you're a smart kid, you fake an injury. Oh, jeez. I can't play, guys. I forgot. I hurt myself last week playing kickball. I just gotta, I'm going to sit this one out, right? Right? But what happens with those first ones that are chosen? They walk differently, right? They're standing on the line. They're like, right? And they walk over the captain. They huddle up with the captain. Somebody with me? put their arms around the cap. They talk about who they're going to choose next. Why? Because they know they were chosen. And so because they were chosen, it's like they just walk differently. And they're like, like, I'm a part of the team. And I'm going to get with the captain. I'm going to help choose. This is what Peter is trying to tell those believers in Asia that they are chosen. We walk differently. No, we don't walk perfectly. We just walk. You know what? Man, God's got something for me. Listen to this verse. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me. This is Jesus talking, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit, that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask in the, uh, in the Father in my name, he will give to you. 
Amen. He chose us to go bear fruit. It gives me security, and therefore the second thing it does, it gives me purpose. It gives me purpose. You, you know when you're standing on that line waiting to, oh, man, he can kick. Get him. He's got, like, you know, one really large leg, right? He just crush, crushes the ball, right? He knows he's the kicker. Oh, that kid can catch really well. When you get chosen, you got chosen for a purpose. Amen? So knowing I'm chosen not only gives me security. He wanted me. It, it tells me I have purpose. See, he wanted me for something specific, which now puts absolute, you know, uh, 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 makes absolute sense when I look around at my family. Hmm. Or I look around at my neighborhood. Or I look around at my school. Or I look around at my church. Because God brought me here. He chose me. That means I have a part to play. That I'm on this team for a reason. I'm, I'm in this family for a reason. I'm in this neighborhood for a reason. I'm at this school for a reason. I'm at this job for a reason. I'm in this church for a reason. He chose me. There's purpose for me here. I just got to find out what that is, and I got to begin to do it. I got to begin to live it out. Sierra's and her team today, I was, man, it was awesome. I can't do that. You put me up here, people are running out the door. Like, what, what is he manifesting? What's he doing? You put some people up here and know what they're doing, it brings glory to God. It's like, wow. You want to put me on the worship? I could probably do a little worship, but I won't. Um, There's just, but together, when we discover, that that kickball team, if it's just the captain and nobody else, ain't going to get too far. But knowing I'm chosen to be a part of the team says, "I, I I have a place I have purpose, I have meaning, there's something significant for me to do, amen? Amen, God doesn't make mistakes. God chooses whom he chooses. He chooses, and he puts people in the right place at the right time for the right purpose. And Peter writes, guys, I know you're feeling oppressed in Asia Minor, I know, I know that there's some stuff going on, but you gotta remember something, you're there for a purpose. You're there for a reason. I I need you there. And here's why I need you there. So that you can begin to proclaim to them the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What about us? What does it mean for us today? What about about your job? What about your school? What about your home, your neighborhood, your church? God put you there for a purpose. What's that purpose? It's the same purpose it was back then, to proclaim him, not me. To proclaim his goodness. His mercy, his grace, his love, so that others would be chosen and find their place. God, we thank you for your word today. As you're preparing your giving, I got a super exciting announcement for the whole entire church. Um, I know some of you are sitting on the edge of your seats waiting this whole entire time. Um, At the beginning of the year, uh, we began to explore getting into a facility. And uh, we actually thought we had one locked in, and man, it was going really well. We were meeting with builders and architects and everything, and uh, it was just heading in the right direction. And it's, it was just about five minutes uh, up the road from here, not far at all. And uh, you know, when you're at the mercy of the city, you gotta, gotta go where the city you know, allows churches to be. And, uh, and so we found one. We thought we had it locked in. Actually, we did have it locked in. And uh, man, in the final hour, a tech industry came in and uh, said, hey, Put the, put, you know, put the brakes on that. We'll give you this much for it. And so the owner said yes to the tech company instead of us. 
And so that was kind of a, you know, we'd been working for a couple months on it. That was kind of a, you know, a big shock to us and learned some things through that. Um, but here's one of the things that we learned. A couple of things we learned. One, that everybody's excited about getting their own building. Amen? Especially if you're on the setup and pack-up team. Come on, you excited about getting your own building, you know? But you know what I love? I love that the church is not a building. Amen? I love that the church is the people. We can meet in our own facility. We can meet in a rented school. We can meet in a tent. We can meet in a park. We can meet at the beach. We can meet wherever. We're still going to be the church. Um, But the second thing we learned through that wasn't that just everybody wanted their own building. It's that everybody wanted to be together. Even if they had to drive a little bit, they they wanted our church. Three of them wanted the church together. Um, And, you know, the two campuses has been going well. It's given us a reach into two distinct communities. Um, But what we learned through that moment of when we thought we had our own building is that people were like, Pastor Ben, like, we just want to be with our family every Sunday. Come on, isn't this cool? Come on. Seeing some faces you haven't seen in a while. And so we may not have our own facility yet, yet, capital Y-E-T, yet. We don't have it yet, but we know God's doing some things and he's working on it for us. But one of the things that we do have control over is we can go ahead and bring everything together just five minutes up the road where the building was at, okay? So we are going to do it on September 4th. We are going to bring everything together. And we're going to be in one place September 4th, just five minutes up the road, at the Edwards Theater right off the 15th, September 4th, okay? Now, this is what that means. It means that if you show up here on September 4th, we won't be here. It means that if you show up to San Pasquale High School on September 4th, we won't be there. There might be another great church that comes in and starts in these places, but it won't be us, okay? And so here's what I need from all of you. If this is your church, okay, if Canvas Church is your church and it's been your church, um, you know, my wife and I, we used to live just right down the road. We were pretty close to here, not too far. It took us like eight minutes to get to church. Uh, but then, you know, God opened up an incredible opportunity for us in North County. So we moved to North County. It takes us about 18 minutes to get to church now. So people move for different reasons, okay? Um, and I, I, this, this I know on a Sunday, you can pretty much get to one end of San Diego County to the other in about 35 minutes. Okay? On a, minus the Chargers game, maybe. But, okay. Um, and so I want to ask you, if, if this is your church and in any way Canvas Church has ministered to you, in any way Canvas Church has become family to you, a home to you, you've been touched through some of the small groups, you've been touched through the, the youth camp or maybe a ladies retreat or a men's retreat or maybe just coming on Sundays, if you've been ministered to in any way by Can- Canvas or if any way uh, over the last however long you've been attending this church, I've been your pastor, I want to ask you, would you please on September 4th make this transition with us? And come to the Edwards Theaters on September 4th and give it, give it four, six months. And if all of a sudden, you know, that for some of you, it's going to be five minutes further. For some of you, it's going to be closer, okay? Um, But no matter what the distance is, I'm going to ask you as your pastor, if you've been ministered to in any way here at Canvas Church, would you make that transition with us? And would you make September 4th just epic as we move into our our, our new facility? Now, I want to say this, that, that wasn't like it was on the radar, Okay. Um, There's a great church. It's a small church uh, called Saddleback Church. Um, You may have have heard of their pastor before. Um, Rick Warren's his name. He's written a a couple of okay books. Um, Do you know that they moved over 70 times in 15 years? Now, I'm not putting that on our trajectory, all right? I'm not like, hey, in order to be one of the most influential churches, we got to move 5.5 times a year. Okay, not happening. But I just want to say this. 
that through it all, whether it was their own facility, whether it was a theater, whether it was a park, and he tells his story, and it's amazing. Man, God's grace just kept following them, and people just kept coming. I believe the same is going to be true of Canvas Church as we make this transition. Amen? So make this transition with us September 4th, okay? Up, up until then, we're going to be right here in San Pasqual, but on September 4th, Mark, we'll, we'll, don't worry, we'll give you reminders, plenty of them, okay? But I want to see you there and see what God does as we all come together. I believe we're going to be stronger together. We're going to be more impactful together. Amen. Some of you can get a break from the ministry you've been serving in every single week. Uh, you might not know this, but uh, Jeremiah uh, here at this campus oversees the, the children and the youth. And um, this is his first weekend in a service in four weeks. Because summer's difficult, but when we come together, man, it's not going to happen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.